Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 5, Episode 7 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Precious Jeremy Vilmer. Why don't you tell him about it, Bobby? Well, you don't like the way we drive? Stay off the damn sidewalks. <laughs> Got a good episode lined up today, Professor. We do, but for a sad reason. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm getting chills, brother. We're going to turn this into a good thing, though. Yes, yep. for a sad reason. We're going to dedicate this show to the late, great animal, Road Warrior Animal, passed away, as everyone's going to know by the time they've heard this episode. And um, we're just going to dedicate this whole episode to both Road Warriors in honor um, or in remembrance of um, Road Warrior Animal. Anything else about that, Jeremy? I mean, it's kind of a sudden thing. I think he just uh, was on a vacation, a little mini vacation with his wife celebrating an anniversary of sorts, and then uh, one day you're here and one day you're not kind of thing. Yeah, uh, the, what what I read was he went up to take a nap, and then mm -hmm. she went up to check on him after a bit, and he had passed away in his sleep. Yeah. Um, I believe they declared it a heart attack. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, that's, I was waiting for the family statement, but that's about as close as I've come to what you just now said to it with everything I've read. So, yeah. anyway, our condolences to his family um, and all of his friends, of course, and, of course, the millions and millions, I can imagine, fans from around the world, man, they've impacted individually and as, as uh, together as the Road Warriors. Yeah, man, over so. the last 38 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow, man. We're going to talk. We're going to just do some kind of brush up on some other things real quick, and then we're going to get into yeah. a... We're going to call it a top 10 list. I'm calling it 10 reasons why we love the Road Warriors. It's not really a top 10. Again, usually our top 10s are just a way to start and structure a conversation. Right, and that's one of the ones we were talking off the air. That's one of the ones where we actually have a legitimate, like a, this is number 10, this is number 5, and debatable one, number 1, but this is who we went with. And But this one here is just kind of like the, the give you the, the blueprint, if you will, for something for us to follow along with. So there might be... Uh, 12 or 15 good things and hearing a few stories along the way too. So yeah. uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy it. I know that. I know several people that are looking forward to this podcast. I know it seems rather short, um, but it's probably just the right time, man. We were looking back over some of our YouTube. Some people has passed away. We were doing YouTube before uh, we came on the air, just just kind of talking some numbers and 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 stuff that, that concern all of you people out there. But anyway, the point is, I was like, man, you know, some of these guys just aren't around with the scene longer. And thankfully, Jeremy, myself, uh, another great podcaster out there, are keeping some of these great names alive. You know, and that's what we want to try to do is honor the past. Uh, the guys that went up and down the two-lane highways that put their mark on this business that we love called professional wrestling and sometimes sport. <coughs> um, anyway, <laughs> continue, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just uh, we'll just keep going. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to bring up real quick was um, perusing Twitter, oh, Thursday or Friday, I don't remember which day it was, somebody lamented the passing of NWA power and then the NWA champ himself, uh, Nick Aldis stepped in to say, guys, let me tell you, NWA power isn't done. So I immediately tagged a handful of listeners and you and retweeted it. And, uh, Nick Aldis came back and retweeted my retweet. So somebody's working on some new NWA power, what that looks like, what that means. We don't know. Right. But, I'm pretty excited about that. Bobby, what, what yeah. are your thoughts? 
Well, I'm glad you got a text back uh, from him. Um, that's always cool, I think. It looks like he has been staying pretty active on, on Twitter. Um, it looks like they're working out. I know, same thing with Thunder Rosa. She's out there hitting the road, you know, staying busy, too. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just thinking, man, something's got to be going on. I, I, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, let's just say that, that um, – that someone in the NWA is doing something and has, they do have some plans. I think we spoke off the air last week that uh, we just, we just wish something would happen good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't know. Um, we don't know. We don't have any insight, inside information is what I'm getting at, but we're as fans, we're wishing the best for that company. And I see a lot of people posting stuff just like yourself, Jeremy and myself saying, you know, I was talking to a guy at the gym the other day, uh, at 6.05 on a Tuesday night, just uh, I was getting used to that. Yeah. You know, your time would be like 9.05, I guess. I'd like that time even better uh, than uh, 6.05. No, it's it's 3.05 no, yeah, here, so I, I want, yeah, I didn't watch it till later. Yeah. Um, uh, you was telling me you was watching. It was like about 9 o'clock my time, I think. Yeah. That's what it was. Anyway, my bad on the time exchange there. But, yeah, I, I, I like that. I was getting used to that, man. And, um Hopefully they've got something good lined up is all I can say. Good luck to them. Yeah, I did see that Royce Isaacs of uh, Strictly yes. Business got his release. That is a shame. Okay, so I'd been watching that guy for a couple of years on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Yeah. And he would come out. You know, he played this like rich asshole character. You know, that was his thing here. But he would wear a shirt that said, you know, say things like, I will deadlift you. And no, yeah. no. You turn me on to him. Yeah, yeah. no bullshit. It's, a guy would be on the ground. And uh, Royce Isaacs would fucking lift them <laughs> right off the ground. He he deadlifted guys into suplexes. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just incredible to watch. You know, Dalton Castle does that a lot with, like, gut wrenches and shit, too, where he yeah. just snatches a guy right off the ground and picks him up. Um, you know, it, it, we watch you guys do this, you know, throw each other around, throw around other 300-pound men. It's really not doable without some assistance, usually. you got to be strong as shit to move another man that, that weighs that much. Yeah. So somebody's going to pick up a hell of a wrestler here. I'm just sorry to hear that he got his release from the NWA. But as we discovered with Zicky Dice, that may not mean that their future's done with the NWA either. Yeah, I'm thinking there's something to that. I really yeah. do. So um, anyway, it's just probably way behind uh, the contracts were all and things like that. Maybe he got his release for a certain reason to do some business with someone else, maybe travel but also be able to come back with uh with 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 them on a regular basis, you know. Yeah, making look, appearances I, with them, but just not as a contract guy. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. These guys that's need to eat. Possible. The NWA is not a big money company. Um, we've yeah. seen what they were paying certain people, so we know that these guys need to get out and hustle. Um, oh, this guy yeah. I'm going to mention right now. He, you know, Trevor Murdoch. His shoot job is down right now because of COVID. His NWA job is down right now because of COVID. Uh, yeah, but he has a uh, national title match against uh, Shooter Stevens here pretty soon. So hopefully, somebody gets that fucking belt off that guy. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, and um, you know, anyway, with that going on, let's get back on to uh, what we're going to be talking about today, and that's the Road Warriors. Um, I think you want to drop in a, an anchor ad here if you don't care, so we can get that out of the way off the top of the hour. How's that? Uh, yeah, I got a question, and then we'll do the anchor yeah. ad. Bobby, Please. the movie yes. The Road Warrior, uh, Mad Max yeah. 2, I, uh, it, yeah. is that a great movie or is that the greatest movie? Man, um, okay. In certain categories, I guess that is the greatest movie, but I'm, I'm just going to put it as it is a great movie, okay? Uh, that's where I'm putting it at. Where are you putting it at? Are I, you saying the greatest movie? 
I'm going to go with greatest movie. You think, okay. Think about how that movie was made. All practical effects. Every one of those car wrecks is real. Minimalist, okay. minimalist story, but you don't miss a fucking piece of it as it goes. I mean, um, and that ending when he wrecks that truck at the very end. Right. And you realize what the whole scheme was the whole time. Holy shit, man. That's just like, it just kind of sends chills down your spine, you know. Fuck, you've convinced me, greatest movie of all time, man, The Road Warrior. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mad it, Max 2, The Road Warrior, yep. from 1981. <laughs> it is It is part Western, it's part futuristic, it's part apocalyptic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got everything in one movie. Okay, I can dig it, man. Yeah, all right. So uh, we're going to take right. an anchor ad real quick, and then we'll be back. And we are back. Man, you got a great voice. Well, thank you. You should do a you. podcast. I should. I really should. <laughs> you know what? That oh, that man. reminds me. Good this, question, by the way. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Uh, this December is my fifth anniversary of podcasting. One form or another. Yeah, one form or another. I've been doing this for five years now. And that's how I met you like about three years ago, I think. Yeah, that'd uh, be. Up in February, it'd be like three years, I think. Yeah, that'd be I about met. right. Because, um, you know, Geekish Cast was... A very different show. We did we did geek news on Thursday nights, and then I did an interview over the weekend. That could be a wrestler, an author, whoever, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That's how we met, and that's how this show got started. Okay, so I'm going to start with a quick quote from Paul yes, Ellering on Twitter. And he says, Today we lost the engine of the train, L-O-D. Animal was a partner, warrior, and friend. He will be welcomed home by a waiting hawk. And that was Paul Ellering on Twitter on Friday. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. I I, mean, I know it's for a sad reason, but when I when I saw that, I kind of popped. I was like, yeah. that's um, paying some serious respect there, man. Well, uh, you know, Bobby. Then, of course, you don't expect anything less than first class from Paul Ellering. No, you really don't. Um, you know, here's the thing. So the planet is roughly 4 billion years old, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Humans have existed for, we believe in the current form, somewhere between a quarter of a million to a million years. Yet we got to live during the 40 years when the Road Warriors were wrestling. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Think of, in, in the grand spectrum there, how lucky are we to have been alive during this time? Well, yeah, because we're like a just a, a grain of sand out there in the damn... <laughs> on a beach, yeah. Yeah, on a beach, man. And we got to live that 40 years there. And, you know, here's, here's the thing. Uh, not trying to put a funny spin on death. But Jeremy, seriously, it's fucking 2020, and we still got like three months to go. Fuck. I hope the fuck we're not doing any more wrestling deaths uh, for any fucking reason. You know what I'm saying, man? Yep. This has just been one hell of a year for everyone. But like you said, we've got 40 years of Road Warriors at least that much. Yeah. And um, hopefully they'll live on through the podcast that we keep these guys' names alive. That's past, of course. And then through the video on YouTube and stuff, you can go back and, and see some of the, the talent uh, that they were, you know. So, yeah, but damn, yeah, you're right, man. Wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just... The, the luck we have just, you know, just to be alive to see that happen. Um, yeah, 2020, you know you know how I feel. I don't like to blame shit on the year because there's nothing really 2020 about this year, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, but when I saw that Debbie Mazar had caught COVID, I was like, there is no God. <laughs> but let's get on to the Road Warriors here. Okay, yeah, I think you're going to tell us about the formation of the Legion of Doom. Yes, we are going to cover that. So... Over at Georgia Championship Wrestling, we had two guys who were in there, Mike Hagstrand and uh, Joe Laurinaitis. And they were both kind of just floundering. 
And then uh, Ole Anderson, the grumpy old bastard that he is, put them <laughs> together to team with Paul Ellering because he needed a replacement for Arn Anderson and Matt Bourne. And they got the idea for these characters from the movie The Road Warrior. You know, painted yep. face. There was the character Wes in The Road Warrior who wore the, the pads with the spikes and the face paint and the leather, kind of based their characters off of them. One of them suggested the other one, hey, I think it was Mike said, uh, or Hawk said, you know, hey, why don't we get Mohawks and, and uh, Animal can get his like a traditional Mohawk. I'll get mine shaved down the side so we can put our heads together, like plug into each other. And Ole said something like, you guys ain't right. But I also know a couple other guys from Minnesota that was pretty tough in their day, and they weren't right either. And so he just kind of, I don't know if he liked them or not, but he, he liked them enough. They still thanked him to the bitter end of putting them together and treating them pretty damn good. Um, but them guys, man, they were, you know, wow. Just uh, to come up that face paint, at first it just was going to be some, uh, my understanding too, was just going to be like the the Road Warrior movie, just some stripes here and you know some bars there and this and that. Yeah. And then I guess Animal came up the spider deal and went a little bit more full, and then uh, Hawk did his you know from just that one flare over the eye to you know and the, the fucking you know like you said the big shoulder pads, uh, the the spike uh, dog collars, the spike wrist uh, collars. Fuck man. Oh yeah, well yeah, you see their early matches. They come out, they got like a spike collar. Yeah, uh, you know, wrists. Uh, they, I think they wrestled in like leather pants initially as well, right? It looked almost like the biker type. Yeah, yeah. more like the bike type deal. Yeah. Um, so they hit the ring. They basically just had like kind of somewhere between uh, leather boy and fucking post-apocalyptic armor, you know, some yeah. version of it. Yep. And their makeup, like you're saying, their makeup kind of got refined every time they used it until they got down to the point where you saw the makeup, you knew exactly what it was and right. what you were looking at. So they were teamed as the Road Warriors together. They were also in a larger faction called the Legion of Doom, which for people, I don't know, you, you might be old, uh, young enough, old enough to remember the Super Friends cartoon by Hanna-Barbera. Mm-hmm. But the Legion of Doom was the bad guys on that show, Black Man, Alex Luthor, and all those guys. So in the Legion of Doom, I think the only other members worth bringing up because why wouldn't you? Jake the Snake was in there with them as well. Mm. So that's uh, uh, he's always an ultimate one of the ultimate heels. Yeah, why not have been at Legion of Doom, the bad guy character? Yep. And then of course Paul Ellering would would stand apart as a manager for the Road Warriors by actually managing the Road Warriors in real life, taking care of their flights, oh, yeah, their yeah. meals, their money. I mean, just yep. the whole bit. So every time he wasn't with them, it's still a shock to me when you go back and you look at how often uh, Ellering wasn't there. You know? Yeah. Um, I guess they did an early an early story where they turned on Paul, uh, but that only lasted like a couple months because they just they were together all the time. <laughs> there was just right, no way that right. was going to happen. Yeah, I like the one thing I know we'll get to some of our catchphrases later on, but Animal might start off a uh, an interview, you know, and he's he's doing his thing, and I'm not going to do any catchphrases right now. And he'd pass it over to to Hawk, of course, and then um, you know. <laughs> Usually one would slap the other on the chest and say, tell him, big guy, or tell him, brother, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, but if you watch some of those videos, uh, and I caught on this years and years ago, and I always find it funny now that when I, you go back and you, you, you catch one of their interviews, 
You'll see Paul, he has that newspaper, but he's also slowly stepping further and further back out of the picture. Because <laughs> whoever gets the microphone next is going to go, tell him, Paul, you know, or whatever. And they're looking like, get ready to give him a chop, but he's back with the glasses and newspaper, and he's stepping almost out of range just in case one of them does go, like, you know, out of character or in character in this case and gives him a chop. So he's always just like, you know, strategically placed in the interviews, if you notice that, uh, as they went on, uh, because uh, you never know when was one was going to chop the other and say, tell him, brother, yeah. <laughs> and say, tell him, Paul, and Paul would be like, uh, you know, two feet away, reaching for the microphone, going, well, you heard my boys, you know, he'd go in his promo, but yeah, he'd step back up into it at that point, <laughs> something goofy, man, uh, to catch on to, because you know, them guys went out there in the millions, and they got fired up, man. Oh, yeah, those, yeah, I mean, they, you could tell that they were in character and ready to go. I mean, maybe not as much as Macho Man, but but close. Yeah, Yeah. and that's what we're going to next, I think. Uh, Number nine is Mike Skills and Catchphrases, right? Yes. We can jump into that. I've already, uh, well, you know. uh, Oh, there was no way I was skipping. Yeah, there was no way I was going to skip trying to get that into the intro. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, um, uh, well, let's just cover some. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, Hawk did the uh, What a Rush where he dragged that out, which I think was actually taken from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, okay. Where Yeah, there was like that scene where there were the heroin needles, and he says it after he kills that girl. But, um, you know, he had What a Rush, which he would use throughout the rest of his career. It was how yeah. he closed just about every Mike's, Mike's, Mike session he did. Dine on Danger, Snack on Death. Yeah, that Which, was always a good one. Yeah, it sounds like a shitty meal and diet, but it's a tough thing to say. <laughs> um, often imitated, never duplicated. Which, yeah, that's for sure. That which is a fact. I mean, um, you know, we can talk about that Mike Mooneyham article here in a minute as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got um, you don't like the way I di- we drive off the damn sidewalk, but um, I saw one also. I hadn't heard this for a long time. But apparently it's one they used uh, early on in her interviews. And, like, I guess they're kayfabed, and uh, they treat it like shoot interviews. And uh, I guess they'd say, we're the team that keeps the doctors in business. <laughs> there you go. Which, yeah, I, like which I understand these guys worked a little um, snug. Snug, yeah, a little yeah. stiff maybe. A little... Uh, but that's what uh, people, you know, there's a little bit green coming in, I guess. But the promoter saw green, you know what I'm saying? They saw money in these guys. And... Uh, I don't think it was till after the fact, uh, from what I hear years later, even when you know people brought it up, uh, they just changed the face of wrestling with those bodies, and 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 when they got put together there, man, uh, they expected to give it back as much as they got it too. That's the thing. They yeah. Didn't, you know, they didn't care to take it um, when they dished it out, but they were still learning, and they got to work around some great talent. Uh, <clears throat> well, that was the thing. Went, their their size and power just made them credible to the point where guys were like, ah, fuck it, just push them. Just, just go. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of their formula. Destroy everything that doesn't move, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of get in there and kick ass, man. Um, destroying opponents uh, with their raw power, basically. You know, that's oh, yeah. what they did. Uh, well, you got a couple more quotes there. Um, let's see. I think that was about, I'm sure there's several more we can come up with, man. But those were the main ones, uh, the Rudder Rush and the Well, Down on Danger, Snack on Death, one of those. They um, had a very distinct interview style. I mean, they were yellers. Don't get me wrong, yeah. man. They they were yellers, but, man, they brought energy and power and fucking you knew somebody's ass was getting beat the next time they got in the ring with somebody. Oh, absolutely. And it was usually going to happen pretty quick mm-hmm. on the TV tapings. You know, yeah. just get in there, kick someone's ass, and get out. What did well, you say? Or, oh, uh, go ahead. 
No, I, was, I, I thought you said something about that earlier about the uh, how they just how they got their cleaned house. I can't. You sent me. I can't remember what it was. We'll get to it, I guess. Yeah. Um, their matches last very quickly. For example, the Malkies. I told you a couple matches, one forty-eight, something like that. There's several matches with the Malkies on on YouTube, and it just you know most of that is just Iron Man and them coming to the mm-hmm. ring. Then it's about a twenty-five second match out of the minute forty-eight that they got. You know that kind of thing. Oh yeah, well that's uh, that's I, what it was. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean. They were kind of the tag team version of Goldberg, really. They just come out, win. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, you know. Yeah. Um, um, I was going to mention, you mentioned Ellering Bender, business partner, too. You said he, he helped them catch uh, or book their flights and hotels and things like that. He also negotiated their contracts, and uh, back in the day, apparently, he got, this according to Animal, he got them each $2,000 a night for a guaranteed 250 nights, and then Ellering was getting a grand a night for the 250 nights. So that's pretty damn good money, that's, man. I, you know, they get pushed to the moon back then. Yeah, that was um, not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, um, and of course, I think they can manipulate their money over in Japan, uh, and I'm sure they got, you know, huge contracts when they first, you know, stepped over to the <laughs> WWE from NWA, too. Oh, I so, imagine, because they wouldn't have moved without the money. Right, absolutely. Yeah. You know what, that makes me wonder, because I know that uh, Jim Cornette really managed the Midnights as well. Yeah. Um, you know, he took care of their contract negotiations. Were th- I wonder if the other managers did that, or were they the only two? That's just you know that's an excellent question. If anyone out there knows it, send us some info yeah, on that. I'd that's be, the only two I know of. I'd be really interested in finding that out because I know for the most part managers were just mouthpieces. Yeah, you know, just, I don't know that the Grand Wizard or Bobby Heenan or you know someone just trying to think even Freddie Blassie. I think they pretty much took care of themselves. And when they went in and stepped into the managerial role, I don't know if they actually managed any of those guys. You know, once you got to that level. Oh, see, I'm. I, Thinking I, these two only, but I could be wrong. No, you could be. I'm. I'm the only two I've heard of. But you know what? I haven't paid that much attention. I've never asked. You know. Yeah. See, yeah. here's the thing. If I were managed by Freddie Blassie, I'd get pissed off every time I saw one of his jumpsuits. <laughs> I'd be like, "That's that's my thirty percent, motherfucker." <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, let's let's bring these two up now because I don't know where else we would put them in. Okay. Uh, but let's let's just talk about. One like the first time you really got an impact watching the Road Warriors come to the ring. Just what a holy shit moment that was! Because for me, they had already had picked Iron Man as their theme song, so you heard that before you saw them. Yeah, yeah. And that that opening to Iron Man, you just know somebody's getting their ass beat. Then they hit the ring and clean house. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know the exact first time, but I, I saw them, you know, early on, I'll say that. I won't say as early as 83. It could have been 84, and it could have been 83, but I'm going to probably say it's probably 84, and it was still AWA. Um, they, they actually probably had been to NWA, but they came back because i tell you why. We got the Memphis tapes, and they had a um, match in Memphis with Lawler. Can't think of his partner was, but the biggest pop was, uh, of course, when they came out, they got over. Huge, of course. And, and again, this mismatch could have been, you know, 84, 85, something like that. But when Lawler went to pile drive Hawk, and he did it, and Hawk popped right back up and no-sold. Well, anyway, Lawler's turning around selling to the crowd like, you know, I just pile drove this big motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I'm over in this town, and he's doing his thing. And when he turns around, there's Hawk behind him, balked up on him. No sold the fucking pile driver in Memphis, and a fucking roof came off the place. Oh, you know yeah. that's one of my earlier memories. I saw them for the first time uh, 
in person, probably 85 NWA. Um, and I honestly, the first time I saw him was in Huntington, West Virginia. And I know I saw him in Charleston shortly thereafter. Um, and then back to Huntington. So I saw him. They were just before I was in the business. And I remember trying to talk to him. I wondered, Bobby Eaton was one of the first ones that ever talked to me from behind the curtain. I'd go to the edge there to get as close as I could. And Bobby's a super sweet guy, you know. What, what do you expect? He, you know, hey, how are you, buddy? You know, we just, just bullshit stuff. But, uh, but uh, the road where we were there, no one was around, and I, I, I looked over, and Hulk or Animal Rattle was popping up his traps, and he was just back there like flexing, mm-hmm. and I, I just, just, you know, dumb kid, really, and I said, hey, man, how you get traps like that, thinking he's going to just spit at me or yell at me or Hawks can come over and slap me or something. <laughs> Animal looks at me, you know, dead serious, and he's just pumping up his traps. Now, I know Hawk's known for his traps there, but, but this, there's kind of warming up for a match, and Animal's doing them. He's imitating a shrug movement. Uh, like you would in a gym, mm-hmm. and he said, shrugs, heavy shrugs, kid. And I was like, damn, I never forgot that, you know. Uh, do your shrugs, man, to make that big neck and them big traps, you know. That's part of the first time I really saw him there. Um, I saw him in Charleston. I want to say they fought the Russian in Charleston. But the show I got to really see him perform in was on a, um, I want to say it's had to be about 86-ish. And it was an NWA show on an Easter Sunday in Huntington, West Virginia. And... They were in a tag match with the Russians, and I was with this girl. Um, we'll just call her, uh, you know, Melanie, mm-hmm. whoever, whoever. It wasn't very packed because of an Easter Sunday show, and it was an afternoon Easter Sunday show at that. They got into the ring. I don't know, it was two or three matches, and then they come. I don't know if they were main event, to be honest with you. Um, they might have been semi-main. But anyway, Animal got sent into the ropes, and a rope snapped. That's the first time I'd ever seen that. Now, I've seen it many times since then. But they were in there, they probably worked about three to five minutes, uh, probably right time for the uh, uh, Russian to start getting her heat. And they shot Animal off, and uh, the rope snapped, and he went ass over tea kettle, boom, right over the top rope. But he held on to it and grabbed it like you're supposed to. And when he hit, his his bottom of his back hit that ring apron. He had a gash right there. I don't know how deep it was, but um, I know the girl I was with, and, and of course I just a fan all my life, but I knew that wasn't supposed to happen, and she said, that wasn't part of it, was it? Because she was one of them people that doubted, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, that's about as real as you get. And she goes, oh, my God, he's hurt because the way he sold, he was on the heel side when he, when he fell out, which the side we were sitting on, on, on a ring apron, just happened to be on the ring side with that. And Animal had to walk around to the, to the other side. Well, wonder, I think as Ivan must have come up and kind of hit him in the back, like shoving him that away, like, like you know, get over there. You know what I'm saying? They definitely wasn't going to break kayfabe, but he knew he had to get back over because Hawk immediately jumped back in, and Animal just stood over pretty much the rest of the match. They finished the match with two ropes, but I thought that's just early on memory of them, you know, some things. Again, my, my years, you probably get them categorized there. Um, uh, might be off by a year, a few months, give or take, but that's the first time I saw him in person, you know. Yeah. Saw him on the, uh, the old NWA, of course, and, and like I said, I got to see him. Just, they must want to come to Memphis for – a couple big shows. I don't remember how long or how often they were there, but I just know I remember seeing what uh, wrestle Lawler and might have been Lawler and Dundee. Honestly, can't can't remember, but I just remember that big pop for the pile driver. Um, that's probably that might have been an AWA show, like I said. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, that like you said, man, they just come out there. That music played, and you knew, man. Like in a matter of seconds, someone's getting their ass kicked. Oh Jesus! <laughs> you know that um, no selling is such a dicey proposition too. Because, yeah. I mean, think about it. Us as fans, we see a no-sell sometimes, and we're like, fuck, that's badass. We see it again, and we're like, what a prick. 
Exactly. Well, yeah. it depends on how it's done and who's doing it. Yeah. You know, um, these guys were doing it at a time that a lot of people didn't know sell. You know, you pretty much yep. sold for whoever you're working with. And that's just part of the gimmick, man. They were just so big, so strong, so intimidating that, you know, you know, we're not oh, yeah. selling. We're not selling tonight. <laughs> but well, we'll and, get to that a little bit later on. Yeah. <laughs> and Memphis protected that pile driver. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I was thinking about this a couple of nights ago when I when I added that to the note there. Um, I you know, get these weird thoughts. I, you know, different times of night and day and everything just seems so fucked up sometimes. I honestly, I sit there and thought to myself, you know, Lawler had to call that spot. Mm -hmm. He, you know, what I'm saying he's he's sitting there, and he knows how over that's going to get, and that shows what professional he is and a showman he is that he's going to do that pile driver. You know, that noted fucking you know, pile driver in Memphis and then let someone no sell it, he knows what's gonna get over. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's that's uh, fucking awesome, man. But like you said, there's sometimes it's like uh yes, one pops up out someone else's finish and you're like, what a fucking piece of shit, you know? Yeah. That ain't right, you know. But uh that wasn't the case with um with Lawler and, and Hawk. Uh, you know, like I said, I sit there and thought some weird thoughts of, man, that that Lawler, he that's a hell of a spot, man. Put that in there. Oh yeah, that's just uh well he was one of those guys that Lawler was born for the wrestling business. Oh, yeah. His instinct for it was just off the charts. And a pretty good artist, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure is. All right. I saw something. He drew, he drew something for someone just the other day. I saw, oh, uh, Stone Cold. I think he drew something for his podcast the other day. Uh, I saw something about it. Yeah, so he's a pretty damn good artist. What are we moving on to, Professor? All right, number eight, Starcade 1986, The Night of the Skywalkers. Uh, and we're just going to say and general scaffold matches in case we want to put anything else in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember the promos going into this, and I, I think AWA and NWA were promoing it for some reason. I, I want to say I saw it on both somehow, but I'm probably confusing two different sets of scaffold matches. Maybe, but, but it could still be, you know, yeah, could be true. But going into this, they were taunting uh, the Midnight Express with yeah. like dropping pumpkins off the scaffolding and shit. And I mean, oh yeah, you know, the scaffold match was one that before you saw it, you're just like. Oh my God! This is that's the craziest, most dangerous thing I've ever seen. Of course, ECW wasn't a thing yet, so yeah, man. I tell you, to this day, I get scared watching him climb up there, man. I mean, it's that's a pretty fucking scary match. Yes. Um, and when they, I say when they're doing that training and they're climbing up there, just to, I think when they got their jeans and their tank tops on, or gold gym tank tops or whatever, muscle shirts, it just looks so fucking intimidating, man. You know. And um, let's see, you got, uh, I don't know, I, for some reason, I've never really spoken, as, as many times have I spoken to Bobby Eaton through the years, I never really brought that up. We may have talked about it one time, like we was in Vancouver at dinner and we were shooting those EA Sports videos or something. Yeah. I just never really, I just kind of uh, steered away from that for whatever reason, because um, it kind of still scares me. I, You know, when I was talking about not being on Instagram and Facebook, and I, uh, I know some of the things that trigger me sometimes. Yeah. And so just knowing that those guys are going up here and uh, Cornette's going to jump, fall, not get caught, Bubba's moving, whatever the fuck it is, you know, it's like I just was this scared shitless, man. Like, I, I don't, well, back in the day, I would have done at least a, Maybe a ten foot scaffold match, but not a fucking twenty or thirty foot scaffold match, you yeah. know. And I'm saying ten jokingly because that wouldn't be a scaffold match. I'd do I'll do a ten foot ladder match if both sides are secured. <laughs> uh, hell, I ain't up here beside my house and clean my gutters. What's that tell you? Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a time I, I I would, but not anymore, man. 
I don't even want to climb on a top rope anymore, Jeremy. <laughs> I, Let alone a scaffold. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, look, I mean, the heights are fucking scary. Um, you know, I mean, I know people like my kid can fucking climb a 90-foot tree without thinking about it. But I'm pretty sure he's got monkey DNA hanging out somewhere in there. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, you watch these guys up there, and, I mean, it's, look, when they show the scaffold and you see it, it's it's a scary, scary idea. The problem for me with the scaffold match it's kind of like leaving a loaded gun in the ring. You know somebody can't pick it up and shoot a guy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. The scaffold match, you know, uh, the only time we've ever actually seen somebody take a really nasty scaffold fall was New Jack, and he's a fucking psychotic dickhead who was trying to murder a guy in the ring, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I saw that. I'm just wondering how the fuck he didn't get put on charges for that. You know, I, I think it was maybe or whatever it was, but, Pat, you know, it's part of the thing. But I, fuck, that's just, that's just crazy, man. He... Could have easily killed that guy. Yeah, and according to him, he was trying to. Yeah, yeah, I just, uh, that's one of those things, get that when I say I'm not on Twitter or Instagram or something, you know, uh, or Facebook rather, like, uh, uh, I know the triggers of sometimes I can see mm -hmm. a picture and my heart rate goes up or my anxiety level goes up. And um, so, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things like, oh, man, I enjoyed the, the uh, I think I watched two of uh, uh, videos and the one where they're standing on uh, up on a uh, platform, uh, roof rather, and they're throwing them pumpkins down there playing Iron Man. And, you know, it's one of the promos. I really enjoyed that. But when just around the scaffold, I just yeah, you know, I got I get nervous, man. Even knowing the outcome of it. So uh, yeah, it's I just, just I just watch my trigger points is what I'm getting at. I guess it's oh, me, no, no, no. Not you. it's me, honey. It's not you. Yeah, that's what I say. <laughs> no, that's that's totally totally fair. But yeah. yeah, the whole the whole blow up or going into this thing and the, the name of it, the night of the Skywalkers, everything about it. Yeah, looked badass as you were getting ready for it. I mean, they they did a good job promoting it and getting you ready for it. And you know, I mean, I don't know if there were two two better teams you could have done this with because you got really one of the best working teams in the world and the most intimidating team in the world, you know? Yeah. So, but, um, and mm -hmm. the way you put that just now, let me say this real quick. If you go, I put out, I put back yesterday, I went back and put it out on a YouTube channel. Tex, who passed away, uh, we dedicate the show to him a couple weeks back, Tex Johnson. He's got this video channel and, uh, Jeremy, and I was talking about this a little bit off there. If you go to, tinyurl.com bbbb video or just go to youtube and look it up we got our top 10 tag teams and we've got the road warriors listed as number two and the midnight express listed as what number one mm -hmm. well that's because it was our favorite and that's pretty much who everyone agreed that we was going to have as number one that list could have been you know any 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 number of the top five teams could have been number one probably or number two that's just the way we put them but like you said you got one of the most best working teams out there on that scaffold and a, one of the most over of all time tag teams out there on that scaffold as far as intimidation and and fighting and and just that that look you know yeah um but yeah if that the videos that text put together for that uh Go back and check those out. If, you, if you're new to the program, go back and check out that YouTube channel. I think you'll like our top ten tag teams. And if you question why the Road Warriors number two, it just came down to a decision that uh, Tex, myself, and Jeremy, and a few other people said, hey, the Midnight's our favorite team, so we put them up there, you know. Yep. No disrespect to any other team on well, that list. Here, here's the thing. If we had recorded that episode three weeks later, it could have been a different list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we've said this, I was just telling my brother this a couple weeks ago, we have left left this open before on our top 10. Some of them were open and we can go back and revisit some of those. Yeah. You know, uh, 
um, we definitely could go back and revisit some of those top tens in the future, you know, especially if the fans want to give us some feedback. I'm on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. The professor, Jeremy, he's at the Geekest Cast, and there's a joint account on Twitter, Bell to Bell Blaze, and there's also a Facebook group on there, Bell to Bell Blaze. But, yeah, uh, if you'd like to see us revisit one of those, uh, we've got enough for the next couple. We've got several good episodes we keep We've improv two of these episodes for this season. Once mm-hmm. we had Ron Fuller a couple of weeks back, we had to get him on here. We could we couldn't pass that up. And then now with the um, sadly uh, passing of, of Rollery Animal, we put this one together today. Um, but we've booted back a couple. But but anyway, what I was getting at, if you have any other uh, things that, that you're a new listener and you haven't you know seen our top ten tag teams or went and visited the YouTube channel or haven't heard that episode, we may do it again. Like you said, three weeks difference on that episode, it could have been another team. Uh, even our legit tough guys, and those you know, there's probably five on there that probably never change as the toughest you know top three to five guys ever in the business. But there's probably some other guys coming along that can make the uh, easily make the top ten now. You know. Oh yeah. Um, so anyway, we kind of those are a lot of open ended. We can go back and revisit sometime just for our newer listeners. If you haven't though, go back and listen to some of those episodes um someone wrote us just the other day where they i know they wrote me and i think you told me someone else told you they went back and are catching up on all the episodes that's always good to hear yeah i so, think uh, i think it was the fellow that's up in ottawa or something i, I don't yeah, remember who I think it was so. that's yeah. exactly who i was thinking of um ottawa championship wrestling i think he used the actual florida uh, state Florida thing uh, that we had on our graphic, if I'm not mistaken. That's kind of his avatar or whatever, avatar, um, if that's the same person I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's if the guy. There, I know who the hell you are, buddy. He bought two of my books, and I appreciate that very much. I'm just drawing a blank on a name, but I know exactly who it was. Um, yeah, he, he went back and caught up on a bunch of episodes. So that's my damn point, Jeremy. Go back and catch up some episodes, because here what I'm doing right now is doing this. I'm doing what the road we're known for. I'm getting there wrecking shit and leaving. There you <laughs> go. Seven, man. That's what I was trying to spit out number seven while I got to look down. There. I said, well, I can't say it now. Something you wrote, Jeremy, and I was like, get in, wreck shit, leave. Yep. <laughs> I like, and I couldn't say it because I was like, that's one of the actual topics. So there's number seven, and that's that Road Warrior Pop, man. It was like nothing else. They still refer to it today as far as I know in a business, oh. and I don't think anyone ever comes close to that Road Warrior Pop that they used to get. Man, I, I know, the roof just comes off the place when they get introduced, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, seeing them wrestle was fucking incredible because before them, there that – Got a team like that didn't exist. This yeah. was a new thing, you know. Yeah, I've heard animals say this before. Uh, they changed the face of wrestling from the nights that you know a guy would get um, no disrespect to anyone in the business. Just saying, um, when they they started making, they were money. You know, the, mm-hmm. the promoter knew that. They said they changed the face of wrestling in a fact that you know it wasn't some local guy that would get fifty dollars a night and a twelve pack of beer. They changed that. You know, we're making money. We're going to, you know, they're changing the business. But they had those, you had the physique. That's the first thing you see. Like, yeah, you got the face paint, but you see how friggin' big they are, huge they are. Yep. With the size. And you know that strength, you know, you know it was, they were strong. Animal had that power lifting, solid base foundation. Hawk had that big, strong, bulky, but but still cut enough for like a bodybuilder type physique. And they just matched up so good, man. Um when when you saw that, you heard that music, you saw the spotlight on them, you saw them out in the ring just doing their thing, wrecking shit and leaving. I mean, it was just it was just over. Oh yeah. You know? 
Um, that's probably if you took a silhouette of, of someone down a back alley, um, that's not someone you want to see on the far end of a back alley. No. And Absolutely if you've got 20 not. people behind you, you probably still don't want to see those two fuckers standing down in that alley. You know? No, because you know what? Because they're going to take out 80 without a problem. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, well, yeah, you know, you're talking about their strength. Like, think when they'd hit the ring, and we'll just use the Mulkies as an example, because I'm, yeah. even though I don't know of a specific, I'm sure it happened where, but they'd hit the ring, you'd see a couple, couple punches, kicks, and the next thing you know, man, cold snatch, military press over the head. Yeah. And that, that just, I mean, that kind of strength to move a human body around like that yeah. is really something. I know Animal, uh, he had a, a 600-plus uh, bench press. I don't know what it ended up being at, like, 660, maybe something like that. He had a legitimate 600-pound bencher. But he also, at, at um, one point, he was doing reps with 500 pounds. Uh, I'm not sure if both of them could do 10 reps with 500. Rumor was that uh, Animal could do uh, 10 reps with 500 pounds, so I'm sure Hawk could probably be you know, pretty close to that, if not there, too. That's just a shitload of weight to be moving, man. Yeah. Um, and the military presses, I saw pictures of them doing, like, 315. Uh, there used to be two brothers from uh, out in California, the Barbarian Twins, that was known for their strength and size and all the heavy weights they used. And they used to be able to do behind-the-neck presses with, like, 315. And uh, I've seen footage of the uh, Road Warriors doing the same thing, uh, 315 pounds, you know, behind-the-neck presses. Uh, hell, they had the uh, bench press contest with the Powers of Pain. Uh, they used real weights on that. They weren't gimmicked weights, you know. Um, that's how one of them ended up getting uh, injured. Uh uh, barbarian blew his uh, his pecs out, uh, you know, bench oh, press and all that weight. Um, but they did that. We attacked it, you know, each other. It was Warlord and Barb and and the Road Warrior, and they was doing those bench press contests. I mean, them, they was using real fucking weight out there, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen, I couldn't tell you, countless guys, like you said, just use the monkeys, just pick them up out of that press slam and just press them, you know, uh, do like a, a monkey slam out of really uh, a gorilla slam, if you will. Just pick them up out of, out of nowhere, snatch them up over the head, and do a couple reps and drop them. Oh. Uh, fuck! <laughs> and, and them guys are out there willing to take them bumps like that too. Yeah, they're, they're just giving her body. I've seen them uh, mention the Midnight Express. One of them, uh, Dennis, uh, I guess, shot one of them off. He went straight through the ropes, and Bobby got him and slammed him and suplexed him on concrete. No different than the road where the two matches I watched. I swear, I think one of them was 148. Uh, and one was 145. It was uh, one of them was like a like a house show footage, and uh, one of them was a TV taping. And I don't know which one Cornette was uh, uh, commentating, but he was putting them he was putting the Malkies over, of course. So it might have been for one of the bashes or something. But I mean, like I said, by the time the Warriors' music hit and they hit, uh, the whole thing was about 25, 30 seconds. But in there. Of course, one monkey got picked up way over the head like you're talking about for the slam. The other one's outside the ring shit-canned, and, you know, boom, there's a finish or whatever. But, yeah, uh, those guys just just changed the face of wrestling, man. The physiques, people realized. And that's the thing that a lot of people, um, and maybe I don't even understand this to the extent of how, how well it's done, guys that size, and they could move. They mm-hmm. we kind of talked to Ron Fuller about that. The way he moved as a big man, he was doing arm drags and drop kicks and and, and flying head scissors. But the Road Warriors, they had that like that big no sell for one. But they also could move when they you know when they hit the ropes. They did power slams. They you know um, they, when they hit the rope when they hit the ring rather. Fact they whatever whenever they either walked down halfway and started running or rode the bikes down and got off they hit the, they were fast getting in and out of the ring they done their shit like this what this one's called get in wreck shit and leave you know yep. they 
we're fast at doing that. Um, I'm not saying go out there run a marathon, but by God, they can get out there and and go, you know, nonstop for that boom, 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 boom that you got to get, you know, get your shit in and wreck it and, and get out of there. Um, they could move. They had work. They had showmanship and strength muscles. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They, they just weren't two muscle heads that couldn't move at all. They could actually move. Um, and like you said early on, maybe they might be a little bit stiff or snug with people, but as animal said, they got to work with, uh, Ric Flair and the four horsemen and they were willing to learn, you know what I'm saying? They was with a lot of talented guys early on, yeah. uh, that, that also, of course, Oli and, and the promoters wanted to see them make it. They knew they was going to make it. Um, I think you're going to talk about that in just a second about paying her dues. And I'll let you talk about that part. But the fact that they were willing to learn in there, whoever it is working with, um, because I'm sure there was times that, that, um, they didn't get to work a lot with, um, I don't think they got to work a lot with, um, what do you, what work with dusty. That wouldn't be a good example as far as he teamed with I'm trying to yeah. think, um, just people that's in there that's willing to just tell them, Hey, slow down, you know, slow down, um, do this, you know, guide them a little bit, if you will. And uh, once they got that, I think they really caught on as as to how this business works. These guys are this this is not my enemy here. This is this is yeah. not, you know let well probably the best example of that be honestly the Midnight Express once again. They got in there and worked with them. You know what I'm saying? They they worked with those guys, um, knowing that Bob Eaton's out there going to put his body on the line and take bumps for you. You know. Uh, you don't have to hit me so hard, brother. Just put your hand there and I'll be gone for you. Not saying Bobby said it that way. I'm just saying, you know, when you got them guys saying, you know, you ain't, you don't have to punch me, man. Just, just do this, you know, slam me. Um, you know what I'm saying? No, anyway, I, go yeah. ahead. I think you've got a kind of a counterpoint to what I was getting at is when the promoter sees money and, and, and they were making money. Uh, what, what about that? Tell me the opposite of that. Plus or minus, however yeah. you want to work it out. Yeah. They were, I would imagine there are probably guys that worked with them who are like, you know, fuck, these guys just started. You know, when I, when I was yeah. this far in my career, I was carrying everybody's fucking bags and losing to every Tom Dick and Harry I was putting the right. ring with. These guys come in and fucking dust buster the rest of us with, with, you know, they're stiff as shit. They don't know what they're doing. I, I could see that. I mean, I, I yeah. you know, I don't know how bad backstage politics would be around this time, but I could totally see that. Yeah. But, you know, let's face it, man. Wrestling's a business, and the promoter's going to do what's good for business, what's good for right. them, you know. I, I agree to that to an extent uh, about paying their dues, but that's the thing. that they, they The promoters saw money. Mm-hmm. They were money. The only thing I read was... Uh, Again, just the other day was one of the interviews, some of the stuff we went back. And that's the great thing, Professor. You come up with all these notes, and we get these leadways and, and segues. We get to go back, and if there's available, we get to watch some video footage of interviews or, or read a particular article about who we're researching that week or whatever. And uh, one of the things I was reading is um, Animal didn't feel like uh, – no one said it to their face, that's for sure, he said. But it wasn't until some wrestlers come out with um, with their own books – then a few people, you know, had some insecurities and stuff saying, you know, hey, these guys didn't pay their dues or whatever. Yeah. But it was, um, it was probably guys they already had heat with over something else anyway, you know. And it was many years later because, like I said, they they obviously didn't bring it up um, uh, back then because anyone that was working with them were, probably made some money, you know what I'm saying. Uh, they drew houses, and that's when they was making money off the houses. And, of course, they got to go to AWA and nwa and wwe so like you said you wouldn't be leaving unless you're getting a bigger check somewhere else and you're working a program with you know a bigger name or what have you yeah well that's that's just it it's not like they ever switched territories because they were in disgrace and 
needed to go work in Canada or something. They they switched yeah. territories because there was money to do it, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, as we'll we'll get into this a little bit later, but you know, Hawk toured the shit out of Japan because he was a big payoff over there, you know. And yeah. They, they were as a team as well, but Hawk worked with two teams in Japan. Yeah. You know. Um. You know, and also I always remember freaking out the first time Hawk got a title match against Ric Flair. I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, what? wait, because, you know, back then especially, I'm like, why is a tag guy getting a world title match, you know? Yeah. But um, that's still, I mean, you put those guys in the ring, you're drawing fucking money, and that's why. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes with number six here. Let's just go right into yeah. it. The fans just wouldn't turn on them. They were over where it is at. Whether it's face or heels, the fans would not turn on the Road Warriors. No. Um, you know, no matter what they did. And that's our number six reason. We love them so much right there. Yeah. Um, go ahead and talk to them about uh, what they turn with Dusty. Yeah. So I read my note over here, Jeremy. I'm sorry. I got stepped away from my computer just a hair and I'm look I see American Dream. I yeah. gotta wipe my glasses off. Uh that's not a problem. Um so they were working on turning the Road Warriors heel. Be I don't know, mm-hmm. somebody was feeling they got stale or whatever reason they were doing it. They even went to the point they had the Road Warriors turn on, attack Dusty Rhodes with a spike, cut his eye open, and the fans still wouldn't turn on the Road Warriors. <laughs> okay, and we're that's talking Dusty Rhodes, people. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we're not talking like just, just somebody here. We're talking about Dusty, turning yeah. on Dusty and cutting him wide open. And still the fans are like, no, no, we're cool with it. No, it's, a, no, it's, a, it's okay. Maybe the fans, maybe we as fans were too damn scared. Too Could damn be. scared to turn on them. little if Stockholm like Syndrome. Them, they won't like me, and they'll fuck me up. <laughs> so, yeah, but the fans were too scared. Yeah, because even when they were first introduced as heels, the fans were still for them. Um, I guess it was a match against uh, the Russians where they officially turned face because they came out on their bikes with the American flag and yeah, whole fucking yeah. place went ape shit. And I think that was their first, like, face appearance. But... Yeah, from then on, man, the fans just did not take them as as the villainous side. They do whatever they want, and fans are still with them. And uh, like you said face painted ass kickers. Yep, that's <laughs> it. Um, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say so. You know, that was just as I was going through the list of stuff that I was looking for because I, I found a few different things about times they tried to turn them heel and it just didn't take. That one to me was the one because if you can attack Dusty, if you can if you can attack Dusty Rhodes and the fans don't turn on you, yeah, it's settled. Right. <laughs> That's all there is. They're, you know? they're over. They're yeah. over. And speaking of over, I'm gonna go to number five here. If you get this, it's over. That's the Doomsday Device. Oh shit, <laughs> man! I'm gonna tell you what. Here's another little inside story. Um, I never wrestled the road warriors. I got to meet them several times. Once I got into the business, I told you a little bit back in the early, well, that's more mid eighties when I met them, uh, or saw them as a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I was in the business and, um, I broke in in 80, officially I broke in September 11th, 1988 was my first match way over in Hayside, Virginia. Um, that was an NWA show, actually. Uh, a promoter over there booked it as an NWA show and, and had several NWA guys on it. Um, Anyway, the Road Warriors, Doomsday, uh, Doomsday's advice. I know several people that took yes, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm proud to say I didn't take it, and I'll tell you what. But I had a chance to, 
And um, I went and done, you know, I wrestled Piper and Nord, a couple other matches here. And I went to, to uh, they asked me if I want to go to, uh, to Indiana, uh, see, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and like Bowling Green, Ohio, uh, Toledo, Ohio, some places like that to do some TVs. And I had already went to the ring with, um, like, I sometimes get these mixed up. I worked with uh, Kerry Von Eric one night. Tito Santana was El Matador the next night. But I was in a locker room, and I was talking to Barry Horowitz. And this was between this before Barry and I became closer, like I mentioned before, in WCW, because this, this is a WWF show. I want to say it's the one in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, um, I'm in the back. I, I've already wrestled, like, we'll say El Matador at night or whatever. I'm talking to Barry. Uh uh, Tony Greer come looking for a couple guys to wrestle the Road Warriors, okay? <laughs> now I already knew I got paid a little bit extra. I wrestled Piper at first time. They asked me to go back out, and, and I wrestled Nord. Well, they gave me extra money. Well, I mean, you know, we're all about making the money or whatever. Yeah. But uh, Tony Greer come in. And he said, we need someone to, to go out here and kiss the L.O.T. I just sit there. I was untying my boots. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm just looking out the ground untying my boots. <laughs> Nobody, but, nobody uh, look at me. Nobody look yeah, at me. Nobody look, I'm invisible over here, man. So uh, uh, Barry is, is standing right there, and he, I think they've already got him, you know, they've got him enlisted. He may have been on contract at that time or whatever. But um, I never forget there were several guys from the Tennessee Territory, from the, uh, the Memphis, uh, that was under guys down there that was up doing the TV. I don't know what, I don't know what happened to this guy, bless his heart. I remember a guy named Ben Jordan. He wasn't all that big, real nice-looking kid, though. And uh, they grabbed him. <laughs> When Tony asked me, I straight up said, no, I've already worked tonight. And uh, he goes, you wouldn't want to go back out there? I said, no, sir. I mean, I, I, I pushed that. I ain't going to lie. And when I told a couple of my buddies this when I come back home, they said, you got a chance to wrestle the Road Warriors? You said no. And I said, you damn right I said no. <laughs> I mean, I was still dreamed in too, but I didn't. I could just imagine him. I kept seeing him. I saw this guy, um, Irish guy from Boss, uh, from New York. He's an Irish guy with red hair. Uh, maybe Pete Dortry, taller guy, uh, used to do TV from New York. I saw them drop him on his fucking head one time, man, and that stayed in my that stayed in my memory forever. And this is short lived time, at the, you know, from him doing that to the time I'm in in, in Indianapolis or or Fort Wayne or wherever I'm at. I'm telling you, man. And they that Jordan, that Ben Jordan boy, is about you know he's probably five nine, five ten. I don't know how to. And it was him and Barry. And I remember them taking him up for that. Of course, they lift him like it's nothing. And doing that big-ass, I like, well, that could have been you, but it wasn't. And I was so thankful. And the next, I remember Barry coming back in. He said, my God, them guys were like in there shooting. He said, I, I, I know how to run the ropes, but they're just pushing me off like the shoot. I'm messing up my steps. They're just pushing me so damn hard, you know. It's just funny. But I was like, yeah, I'm glad I never took that. Because I think that other guy's name is Pete Gorder. I saw he like six seven or something. They took him up and dropped him and didn't hurt him. Don't get me wrong. not Definitely not intentional, not like that. But I just saw the way he hit, and I thought, man, oh, man, I don't want to be that. And that, I don't even know what they called it back in if it's Doomsday Device. I just knew it was called a finish, and I didn't want to take it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think Guerrero was really there uh, one way or the other. He was just there as the agent, and he come in looking for a couple guys. And, and actually, that Ben Jordan may have already volunteered. I don't know. But I was taking my boots off. I didn't know nothing, didn't know no one. And I'm invisible over here. No, sir, you know. But um, yeah, like, I, so. I got gout. I got to get this boot off. Uh, I, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I mean, I do it. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not afraid to wrestle the Road yeah. Warriors. Uh, that's not yeah. it at all. It's just my toe. No. My toe is killing me. Yep. It was just, um, it just, that's the truth, man. So, uh, But in all fairness, in all fairness, several years later, um, 
when I when I, even before I got to WCW, uh, I had went to several of their shows, had backstage meetings, you know, uh, once with Kevin Sullivan, once with uh, 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 Terry Taylor. But I had I had went to um, I had already talked to Kevin in Knoxville, and I went to had to go to Toledo as a matter of fact, Toledo, Ohio. And I ran and I went there to speak with Kevin in person. Uh, Paul Orndorff and I had talked to each other over the phone, and we couldn't work out this this search situation uh, behind the curtains kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I went and talked to Kevin. And when I got there, I wasn't even on contract yet, but I got there. Uh, Road Warrior and Adam was two of the first guys I saw. They just got in from the gym, and uh, very very polite, to, very courteous, very professional. They was actually on their way out. By the time I got there, they had already went to uh, to New York at that time, you know. But um, the the times I did see them in a the locker room uh, for WCW. The, you know, they knew, hey, Bobby, how are you? We spoke, you know what I'm saying? Now, do we go buddy, buddy? No, not like that. And this kind of to back up the other story after I went to uh, to Indiana tapings or whatever it was. I went to Florida in, in that following January, um, and I went to, like, Daytona Beach and went to Fort Myers and Tampa, wherever. But I went to uh, – this is a, this is embarrassing uh, to tell you this, but, I mean, it, it's no secret. Look at their physiques and look at mine, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So – I had I, I I went to the um, the powerhouse gym in Daytona Beach, and I got there apparently with signing. You could go to pretty much any Gold's gym or, or powerhouse, and and if you worked for Turner or for uh, Vince or whatever, they they generally you sign your name and let you in. At worst, they're gonna charge you like five dollars, you know. Yeah. But um, but where I knew Barry Horowitz, he always told me, "Go to this gym, go to this gym. These are free ones." So I knew. So um, dude, I went to to the to the powerhouse gym in Daytona Beach. <laughs> And uh, I see I'm with the WWF, and I was. I was there for a couple of nights, going to do some shows, you know. Um, and the guy looked at me, and he wasn't much bigger than me, nothing like that or anything. And he goes, you're at WWF, huh? And I go, yeah. He looked up, and there was Road Warriors. The Road Warriors were standing over left and right, and they had they had just gotten there, I guess, five or ten minutes before I had gotten there. And he goes, so you mean to tell me you're with those guys? And I went, uh, yeah, same company, not with them. He goes, man. And he goes, just sign your name here. I go, what do you mean? I go, look at them guys. I said, I'm just here for cardio or something. I just blew it off like, you know. But he's like, you're there with those guys? And I'm like, yeah, but not really, you know. Um, I didn't know him very well back, you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm still doing the TVs back then. But but the guy, I think he had a hard time distinguishing between a guy that weighs, you now six one and weighs 210, 220, to the guys that are like, you know, 6'1", 6'2", uh, and weighing 280 and 300 pounds. You know what I'm saying? There's a big difference when, when those guys walk into the gym and you say you're employed with the same people. You're like, uh, maybe not. Maybe you're trying to sneak in here, kid. But I was, and it's just funny to think about. Um, them guys had the real physiques, you know what I'm saying? Um so anyway, hell, go on, Jeremy. Talk to me. Before. I'm not taking a doomsday advice there. Uh, let's go to war games. Let's go to war games. Get me off these stories uh, out of my head, man. Go to All war right. games. Please. All right. So war games is just, I, this is in here because this is just a match you got to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I hate to hate to spoil it. The ending sucks a little bit, but that's okay. That's not what's important because when the the babyface team comes out, that's what matters. And it's Dusty, the Road Warriors, and Nikita Koloff as his first time out as a babyface, uh, replacing Magnum. And the fucking audience just goes batshit, like lions fighting over red meat. I mean, they <laughs> just go fucking nuts. And, you know, these four guys go in and it just start beating the living shit out of the horsemen. And J.J. Dillon. Um 
You know, it's it's just something to watch. It's one of those matches you got to yeah. see. It's, you know, this is what uh, the WWE was trying to recapture with the Elimination Chamber was this kind of match. You know, War Games, they tried to do it a few times. I think this first time here, just it blew it off from the start, and th- there's no touching it. So it's one I think you got to go back and watch. Bobby, what yeah. are your thoughts on it? Oh, I agree. We've spoken about this on, on previous uh, podcasts before, too, and I think there's some of the match. Uh, the, the match itself is on YouTube, and I think Tex actually took some footage and, and, and put it into one of ours, uh, some of our videos as well when we're talking about it as being one of the greatest matches of all time or something like that. I'm not sure exactly how we labeled that. Um, and really, that's all we wanted to kind of say about War Games is go back and watch that match. But what I was getting to, Jeremy, I had to kind of sidestep there so you can get that one in, Yeah. was when I was at that gym in Florida, <laughs> I had on my Zubaz pants, and I had a fanny pack, and I had a sweatshirt the neck cut out, and I had a mullet, okay? That's number three, oh, Zubaz man. pants. So, yeah, I was at the gym with the road warrior. They were in their own world over, like I said, they had already been over there. They got there 5, 10, 20 minutes before me or whatever. The guy's looking at me and looking at them and thinking, are you with them guys? You know, say you're way like two ten or two fifteen. But by God, I had my Zubaz pants on, <laughs> I had my fanny pack, and my tank top on, un- but underneath of my big sweatshirt that I had the neck cut out of. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I gotta yeah. be all Mr. Nineties guy wearing my Zubaz yeah. pants, and I had that mullet, baby. You know, Bobby, so, did, did you have uh, your left ear pierced too? Uh, not at that time. I, I did when I was in college, but that's that's a different time. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> No, um, I was just seeing if yeah. the uniform was complete. You know, as you as you yeah, leave. I did for a long time. In fact, I probably still got a my my ear. I had it double pierced on my left side. I think the bottom was probably still open. To be honest with you, because I had it pierced for a long time. So oh. I may have even had a feather earring in that day, Jeremy. I God don't damn. know, I, but I probably did. Roach clips. <laughs> and I had my gold cross necklace on. Right, you're gonna oh, go yeah. there probably. Well, how about your uh, mini truck? Was your mini truck there? <laughs> It was till green. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn! You don't get more nineties than that. Oh um, uh, no. <laughs> so I was number three, man. <laughs> I didn't realize Zubaz was still around. I'm on their website right now. I didn't. I, they got the same pants, Bobby. I, I am. Okay. I, I thought you would have to get build a time machine to get these things nowadays. <laughs> I, yeah. That is just such a like crazy like of that moment thing. Right. Um, so I was never really like a big weightlifter. I'd always been like a, you know, like a karate guy, like punch and kick guy. So when I did lift weights for a year or two there, I'm talking, it was low weight and high rep. Yeah. You know, I would do like, you know, half as much as I could, but I would do like 20, you know, reps of it every time and then three to yeah. five sets. I got you. Yeah. So... I was right, man. You put on the inside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to hit you like an iron ball on a chain, you know, not yeah, a, yeah not pick you up over my head. Um, <laughs> I wanted to keep you as far away from me as I possibly could is what it came down to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this was never like the look that I went for. I was always like, you know, black track pants and a T-shirt. But I just, that whole thing you described there, you know, the, these, these Bufferilla guys look like a shaved gorilla. And, yeah. you know, they got their, their sweatshirt on, and the armholes are about 16 feet around, and their necks cut out to the point where their trapezoids, which touch the side of their ears, are just, like, banging out of there completely. They got these big, weird-ass pants. <laughs> and you gotta, you got to have the fanny pack, because otherwise you got no place for your, um, for your like, warrant tape 
or <laughs> you, you know your your key ring and a picture of your mom and Jesus and all the other stuff and your wallet that you might carry and the you yeah. know um, you had to have it. And the other yeah. thing that always cracked me up about Zubaz, you know, Vince McMahon tried to launch a competing clothing line. <laughs> what was this called? Do you know? If I remember like right, body I, or something yeah, it was like Z Boogie. I want to say was yeah, the name, but I, I I didn't actually exert the effort to go look for sure. And I guess this is one of the things that uh, Ellering helped them with too was their Zubaz business. I think you know they got that off the line with him. Uh, they was the road words involved in that with him uh, in some way. You know, I know he's making money off of them. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, endorsing them, wearing them, being seen in them, whatever you had to do. They well, were over. Those you know dudes were, yeah, those dudes were at the gym all the time. Why wouldn't you want yeah. them wearing your clothes if it's a long right. you're trying to get off? Yeah, I mean, right. yep. Jesus Christ. But could you imagine, like, being in a hurry to put up this fucking clothing line? Like, my God, pal, we got to get these ugly giant <laughs> pants out there. The world needs giant pants. That's good shit. That's good shit. <laughs> More zebra shit, stripe. Yeah. More zebra stripe. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's move on to number two. Just no, another wait, match. Wait. Oh, you got something no, more? No, no, no. Like it's, in the 90s? What? Well, yeah. I, I got to bring up. You know what else you can do with a uh, fanny pack? You can carry a book in there, Bobby. Oh, man. I used to carry my passport in mine. But, yeah, I guess, you know, I've been really thinking about getting a fanny pack again, to be honest with you. Now that I'm wearing glasses pretty much in a regular, I get a case, carry them around. Mm -hmm. I can carry my wallet. I got my, I got a bad motherfucker wallet. That's what I carry. It says bad motherfucker. It's from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I've uh, seen it. Yeah. You know, I put my car keys in there. Uh, but also, I'm going to carry my book in there. I got two books. I'm just going to get a fanny pack to carry one at a time, though, okay? So, uh, Professor has taken the time to put up these two little shortcuts to get either one of my books. My first book is called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost, Will Travel. And you can get that by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. And it talks all about me being a Smoky Mountain wrestler. It talks about me being up in Canada, over in South Africa. Nelson Mandela walked right beside me in the airport with the wow. security. Uh, that's a straight shoot, man. That's uh, incredible. To, uh, yeah, that's that's wild to know. Uh, you know, to uh, Australia, being all over there, uh, big tour over there, Wrestle Riot tour, uh, Japan, five different tours. I talk about several of the things that happened on some of those tours. The guys in the town I got to wrestle with there. It's just a really, you know, good insight into someone, uh, you know, that, that did all right for himself coming from where I came from in the professional wrestling business. And I tell a few funny stories in there. My other book's a bit more about life after wrestling. It has a lot of wrestling stories in it and wrestling-related things in it about, you know, how younger guys, especially a younger guy, could really learn from my second book, uh, The Education Wrestler. Um, I kicked out on two, The Education Wrestler, because it has stuff about backstage politics and, you know, just how to get yourself over, you know, uh, putting out publicity on yourself and stuff like we've talked about in the past here. And it's got a couple stripper stories in it, believe it or not. And I, I might have been wearing my Zubaz pants when I was with the stripper. Uh, not that I was with the stripper. I spoke to someone that was an exotic dancer. Uh, that's what she told me she did when mm -hmm, she wasn't. Mm -hmm at the library, uh, signing my library card for me. You know? Well, yeah, she was, she was getting her, uh, she was going to college, putting herself through college, yeah. going to be a nurse. Yeah, I've, I've paid for several nurses mm -hmm. uh, over mm -hmm. many times. Anyway, that book, The Educational Wrestler, I kicked out on two. <laughs> Got me stumbling over the damn title of it. Uh, anyway, uh, damn exotic strip. The damn, nah, okay, get that book at tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. Uh, you can get those books on Amazon, but honestly, if you go through the tinyurl.com blazebook1, 
for Pinby Pay Me or tinyurl.com Blaze Book 2 for I Kicked Out on 2. And the show here, the program, this podcast gets a little bit of kickback. And I mean, it's just a little bit, but you know what? Every little bit helps. And that's what Jeremy and I are trying to build up here is just a really nice podcasting uh, group of people. We've got some good people that follow us on Twitter. And uh, do yourself a favor. The holiday season will be coming up quicker than what you think. If you've already got my book and you know someone probably over the age of 18, uh, get them one of my books. You know, that'd be a nice gift for them. Because um, there is adult language and, and uh, adult content in both books, as referred to, to the stripper story. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I, I still think, you know, I don't know, the older I get, maybe not. But uh, I guess one day if they find me, um, I'll just probably have a fucking Big Mac wrapper on my head and a stripper beside me. And she's going, I don't know what the fuck happened. I'm leaving this guy. What? <laughs> what I want a- that crazy meat all over my face, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's... um. I always thought smile a dying with a smiling, a smiling with a dialing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're gonna go, you might as well go like that. You know, shot yeah. in the you know, an eighty five year old man shot in the head by uh, the the husband of your your jealous lover or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah there's there's no better way to go. I've I've been told before, Bobby, I have a very cavalier attitude towards life and death. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I know a guy named Lucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I asked him why he called him lucky. You know that one, don't you? I do. The, the neighbor walked in and shot him right in the ass. And he said, why you call him lucky? He said, because he had been there five minutes sooner. He'd have shot me in the head. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, God. What do you say, lucky? Where are you going to, lucky? Well, we're going to go to number two. This one was yeah. this one was one of your suggestions, so I'm going to lean on you a little bit for this yeah. one. Uh, but it's the Road Warriors versus the Fabulous Ones. Tell us about it, Bobby. Okay, so um, I went back and just watched this one here recently, too. And, and a, a Cornette, he's got a watch-along out there. If you listen to this week's episode of uh, the drive-thru or whichever one to experience, whichever, um, and he's got me as a follower, so I'm sure he don't need me pumping up his podcast, but I'm definitely a fan of his to call the Cornette out there. But I've watched this one before. It's just really one of them funny matches you have to watch because apparently um, this is like the first time the role, and this is when it's um, uh, the fabulous one that Steve Kern, uh, for you like, if you don't know, which I'm surprised if anyone this show lists our pocket doesn't know because we've got our great uh, educated crowd out there, uh, and Steve Kern. And I get I think they're in Minneapolis for the first return match until their hometown in the AWA. And um, I've heard a couple of different ways, but basically, you know, uh, Stan and Steve stand in the ring, and um, the Warriors there, and Hawk says, do it our way, you know. <laughs> and I, I guess Kern didn't hear him. You know, he's looking around or just kind of, you know, just ready to have a good match, whatever. And mm-hmm. He says, huh, or what? You know, something like that. Like, when he's questioned, like, what? Like, what do you mean? You know, like, and I think uh, the word is, you know, the, the hawk, he took it as, oh, you know, him and Animal just started beating a fuck and laying into him. <laughs> hawk was like, you know, he said, do it our way. When he said, huh, or what? He took it like, like they're questioning. You know, he yep. was just like, he didn't actually hear him because the crowd noise or he's looking off or whatever. And uh, so I guess Hawk gloms Steve, and then uh, uh, Animal comes over, and he's just grabbing uh, 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 Stan. And, of course, I guess within a couple punching laying in minutes, you know, uh, Kern caught on real quick that he fucking meant like, yeah, what, what do you mean? Hold on here. Let's work with her. But, but I know uh, within a couple of forearms or so, uh, Stan was like, you know, hey, brother, <laughs> we're doing it your way. I'm doing it your way. You know, if it just, just a quick amount of time. Uh, 
everyone heard what was said quite clear. We're doing it your way, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, you, it's on YouTube, and I just thought it was a funny match to put something funny towards the end of the podcast Oh, here. here's the thing. So I, I put myself in the head of Steve Kern and, uh, you know, Stan <laughs> Lane, and here, here's what I think is happening in their heads right before all this shit goes down, right? So Steve Kern, like, he's hanging out in the ring there, and he's like, hey, man, fuck, look at that brunette in the second row. Exactly. Yeah, shit, man, the rats are fucking hot tonight, huh? And then he goes down, <laughs> and then Stan Lane's watching this. He's like, you know, maybe yacht racing is really the industry I should get into, because <laughs> um, I, I don't want any fucking part of this. What's happening yeah. right now, man? Yeah. I, I do know that watch along. Cornette mentioned that that uh, when it's when it's Bobby and Stan wrestling uh, the Road Warriors there. Um, I think I, I can't remember which what the exact angle was. Working up for the the uh, one of the bashes or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, he said Stan, you know, is in there thinking, <laughs> yeah. How do you, he's still thinking about the beating up in Minnesota or whatever, you know. <laughs> so he's out there like, whatever you want to do, you know, I'll do it, you know. But of course, like I said, they did sell. Ford of Midnight Express because I, that was that was a money making yeah. idea. You know, that's how you get over. They 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 had learned by that time. You know, we ain't got to kill you guys. We'll work with you. You know. Yep. Uh, unlike what happened up in that match there, when he went, uh huh, or what? You know, like I said, look, that's that's the way I've heard it too. Anyway, Jeremy, I've had a great time. Redder number one here, man. I, there's a lot to cover in this number one. I'm gonna let you do it. I just know this, man. This was uh, R.I.P. Road Warrior Animal. But it was so to do because I want to make sure, you know, that uh, we remember the good stuff, man, not yeah. the sad times that this man has you know, passed away. But uh, Jeremy finished up with number one as titles. And the question is, and we think it is, are they the most decorated team out there, most decorated tag team out there? That's our number one. And Jeremy, the professor here, is going to tell us a little bit about, about their titles that they had uh, before we wrap things up here on the Bell to Bell of Bobby Blaze podcast. Jeremy, thank you so much. I had fun with this episode, but also thank the professor for doing this research and tell us a little bit about these titles, please. All right. So this this started on Thursday. I texted Bobby and I because I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, so the Deadly Boys – have WCW, WWE, ECW gold, and TNA gold. And that makes them the most decorated tag team ever, right? We've all agreed on this. But the Road Warriors have Japanese, they have NWA, WCW, AWA, you know, and I just kept going down the list. I texted Bobby, I'm like, hey, is do we know how many titles that the Road Warriors carried? He gets back to me, what, an hour later, he sends me a uh, link to Animal talking about it. So they held 14 different titles. That's not to say they had 14 title reigns. They held 14 different belts in some combination. I'm going to do a quick reading here of just ones I could quickly assemble. NWA International Tag Team Championship. That's a Japanese belt. They are the only team to ever defend them outside of Japan. IWS World Tag Team Champions, AWA World Tag Team Champions, Fighting World of Japan Pro Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, Georgia Championship Wrestling, National Tag Team Champions at Georgia uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, the I-Generation Tag Team Champion, they were uh, two-time champions there, they were four-time national champions at Georgia, Independent Pro Wrestling, they were the IPW Tag Team Champions, Jim Crockett Promotions, they were six-man tag team champions, Three times with Dusty Rhodes and twice with uh, Tenryu. They were NWA World Tag Team Champions Mid-Atlantic version once. They were Iron Man Team Tournament winners once. They were Jim Crockett Senior Cup winners once. 
They held the WWF tag titles twice. Now, in Japan, there was a team made up of uh, a guy calling himself Power Warrior and Hawk Warrior, which was Hawk, and I can't think of the guy's name right now, but he was one of their on-again regular six-man tag and tag partners. They held the New Japan Pro IWGP Tag Championship twice. Legion of Doom 2005, which is Animal and Heidenreich, they were one-time WWE champions. And in, oh, I don't know what year this was, they were Road Warrior, Animal, and Power Warrior were UWA World Tag Team champions once. I think the argument is easily made that the Road Warriors are the most decorated tag team ever. Yes. Quite simply. Yeah, I agree. And also, for what it's worth, yes, during the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, they got there in 2011, and who inducted them, Jeremy? Dusty Rhodes. The man who they tried to turn him heel, oh, it wouldn't take. Just and wouldn't, it wouldn't take. Just wouldn't And here work. he is, years later, inducting them to the WWE Hall of Fame. And like you said, they are not probably, we're going to say, they are the most decorated tag team out there, and they probably deserve, or they do deserve to be at every Hall of Fame there is. Um, and as you put it here, uh, you know, how did you word that, Jeremy? You said, don't be sad it's over. Just be glad it happened. And you're talking earlier in this program, uh, during 40 years of our life, we got to see the daggone Road Warriors, man. That's pretty damn awesome, especially for pro wrestling fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I wanted to close it, you know. I mean, it's a sad thing that he's gone. I, I definitely, you know, my heart goes out to his family. But, you know, we've got the video. We've got memories. You know, we got to live while the Road Warriors were a team, and that's pretty fucking cool. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, say one more thing before we wrap it up here, and I'll let you close this out, okay? Sure thing. Uh, once again, I had a great time doing this episode. Uh, I tried to have a, a good sense of humor about it, and, and uh, we had something else. Once again, um, we'll work on for next week, and we booted that back a week uh, due to this passing of Animal. And uh, this was real fun to research and real fun to do. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast with me and do the research with me and, and send each other links and stuff back and forth. Uh, anyway, we'll go back to another top 10 next week when you join us here on the Bell to Bell Bobby Blade podcast. Do yourself, and I have to tell myself this, as much as I'm telling you fans, I'm telling myself this, man. Be kind. Be kind to yourself, man. Uh, things are crazy out there right now. I'm just going to say this is what I've been doing. I'm trying to do the best I can, and that's be try to be more kind to yourself. When I'm out, when I do go out, I'm wearing a mask. I'm going to be social distancing. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to try to do the best I can. And in my own head, I'm going to try to be kind to myself. Be good to each other out there, people, but also be good to yourself. So that's what I like to say, Professor. Thank you once again. Yeah. Uh, and so with that, for Tex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and Bobby Blaze, bye-bye, everybody. Hey, Bobby, real quick, I, I, got, a, I got a question here. Yeah. I, I saw a thing where it was saying that guys would show up to, like, a local show, you know, they'd, like wrestlers from the area, they'd show up, and they'd look at the board, and they'd see that they were <clears> teamed <throat> with somebody else to fight the Road Warriors, and then they would just turn around and leave. Um, I wonder who the biggest tag team that ever did that was. I mean, is there like is there like a name tag team or oh, like I don't know, man. No, fuck I that. Yeah. 